Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. Hope you're all doing well. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And it's another lockdown episode. So I recorded this one um, over Zoom. And uh, and I reached out to a previous guest, um, Jason Perry, uh, who is one of my favourite people to to hang out with and chat to. And we'd, we'd had a natter the day before and I said to Jace, do you want to come back on and, and we'll do a live gig special? So I want to ask you all about the favourite gigs that you've played and been to and tours and festivals. And he was like, yep, yeah, let's do it. So this is what you're about to hear. Um, before we play the episode, um, just a big thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, thanks to 76 for producing this. Um, thanks obviously to Jason for giving up his time Thanks massively to you lot for uh, supporting off the beaten track. We've uh, we're well over a year old now, and uh, and the numbers are growing, and still gets lovely messages from from you lot saying that you enjoyed episodes and stuff. So thanks ever so much for that. If you want more, then I have got um, a Patreon page. Uh, where I put up unique content over there each week, so you can support the podcast over there if you wish. Um, but if this is one of your first listens, then go and have a look in the the archive because there's a another episode with Jason um, talking about the the music that's soundtracked his creative journey. Uh, I also speak to Jason's twin brother Adam uh, of the Bloodhound Gang, and I also speak to former A bassist and Radio One Rock Show DJ Dan P. Carter. Uh, and there's there's loads and loads and loads of episodes with musicians, producers, comedians, you name it, actors. They're, they're, they're all in there. So go and have a, a rummage in the archive. But I'll uh, I'll shut up and let's, let's get on with today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast, live gig special with the wonderful Jason Perry. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.com uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. 
And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat 15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat & Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track and uh, on the other end of uh, Zoom, not Skype, we tried Skype, that didn't work, uh, is my friend and frontman of the rock band A and Grammy award winning producer, I have to say that. Thank you Stuart. No worries, (laughs) how you doing Jace? Good mate, how are you? I'm all right, I'm all right. So we've already tried to start this once and uh, and the video kind of uh, crashed. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, we'll you were telling me when, when, we, uh, when we broke that um, you've been working on producing the new McFly album. Yep, we nearly finished with that. It's amazing. It's the best thing I've, I think I've ever done. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Oh, really? So much fun doing it as well. So, yes. I don't really want it to end, so the lockdown's been perfect for that. Well, they've been really proactive as well, haven't they? The um, It's All About You video went huge, didn't it? Yeah, and then um, I think Danny did this Shine the Light song with... That's right, um, yeah. What's his name from... Um, Every, everyone. Ollie Murs, was he there? Ollie Murs and James Arthur and um, Thingy from... Um, uh, what's he called? The nice one from um, One Direction. One Direction. Direction. The, the, the Irish kid. What's he called? Yeah. Nile, Nile, yeah, yeah, nice Nile. Check me out. Damn yeah, well kids. done. Yes, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> right, Chase, you've been on before, and yeah. and we spoke about your tunes. Uh, but in lockdown, I've kind of reached out to uh, my favourite people to chat to, and I know that you've got loads of great chat in your Jace about gigs. So we're going to do a live gig special. Okay. And I always start that with what was the first live show you ever went to? Not My played at, went to. Eleven years old. Leeds, Queen's Hall, Tiny Kid, Terrified, The Jam. Absolutely unbelievable. That's incredible. Life-changing. Yep, even I can remember what I was wearing. I can remember queuing up outside the Queen's Hall. I can remember buying an enamel jam badge for 50p off like a a tout or somebody. I didn't know how those those things worked. I remember being terrified, walking in, everybody being massive, and we stood near the front of house desk with my cousin, Karen, and Paul Waller came on. He's wearing a Lonsdale T-shirt. He had a skinhead. Um, and Bruce Foxen did a jump, and I missed it because I was looking at the floor, and the whole crowd cheered. <laughs> and it was their last tour. 
and it was unbelievably exciting and terrifying and testosterone and just this rush. And I went back to school the next day and told the headmaster I was going to be in a band. And that was it for me. That was life changing. I wish I'd have gone to see a live banker make loads of money. And then <laughs> instead, <laughs> and then the next day, come to tell my husband I'm going to be an investment banker. Um, <laughs> but I enjoyed the jam all the same. Oh, brilliant. I mean, I, I presume they were just incredible. I think so. You don't know, do you? It's your first gig. So there was no yeah. benchmark. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'd not seen Rush by then. So there was, no, there was no real benchmark of what's incredible. It was just, I adored the jam. and That's, that's not too bad, Jace. Three minutes 44 before you <laughs> mentioned Rush. <laughs> Sorry, mate. It's pretty good, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there was no benchmark. It's like, it's the jam. I don't know what gigs sound yeah. like. I don't know what they look like. I know it's exciting and it's terrifying <laughs> and it's loud. It probably it could have been terrible. I don't know. I mean, at that point, Paul probably didn't want to be in them. But you wouldn't no, know that when, you, when that you're 11. Point, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was incredible. And, and that's super cool. Your first gig to say you're sort of jam, that's, that's pretty special. It is, isn't it? I feel really proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, a lot, it's a lot better than uh, Alexander O'Neill, put it that way. <laughs> it, mate, and, um, yeah, it really is. <laughs> it like... really is. There's no argument there, mate. <laughs> and I'll tell you what was quite weird. That was my first ever gig. At, at, I think it was at Brixton or Hammersmith Odium in about 87, I think. And uh, and then I ended up last year, he was playing a, a pub in Billericay. And uh, and so I reached out to all my mates I went to that gig with. I went, should we go and watch it again uh, in Billericay in this pub? And it's like, yeah, let's do it. Oh, Jace, to make us feel tragic. better about the weight we've put on. <laughs> oh, mate, you're not wrong. How big you're was not he? Wrong. Um, we'll put it this way: he sat on a stool for the whole gig. It's <laughs> <laughs> on a beanbag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he looked oh, like a beanbag. <laughs> mate, me and my mate Bomber, who's like the most Essex man in the world, who's so funny though. We were out one night <laughs> in a cab with um, with someone that we know. Um, talking about gigs, and we talk about the Beastie Boys and how amazing they are. And this this bloke goes, "Mate, best gig I ever saw, Shepherd's Bus Empire, Rochford." <laughs> like Rochford, I just didn't expect him to say Rochford. Probably like the Smiths or something. <laughs> nothing wrong with Rochford. Cuddly toys in tune, but like you don't expect Jace. him to bring that up in a greatest experience of your life conversation. Anyway. Do you want to know what the last gig I saw was before lockdown? Rochford? Yep. You're kidding me. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> 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 oh, no way. I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you go see Rochford? What's he like now? <laughs> exactly the same. Really? Oh. <laughs> and you were just watching this whole gig say, when's he going to play Cuddly Toy? He plays it last, I bet. <laughs> so, it was really weird, right? This PR company that, that, that sent me some guests that always sort of reach out and go, look, do you want this person on your podcast? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Oh. Um, I've become really friendly with him. He's a really nice dude. And he went, do you remember Roachford? And I was like, yeah, of course. And obviously, straight away, my mind goes to Partridge yeah, singing Cuddly Toy. Yeah. And, uh, and he went, 
he's got an album launch at this like members club in London with like free booze and food. Do you want to come? And I don't ever really get to go to anything like that. And, uh, and my mate liked Roachford, so I was like, yeah, go on then. And so it was surreal. Like, yeah, I went to Who's West your mate, London. by the way? Who's the mate? He's uh, in a stand-up, like, kind of one-man band called Cunt and the Gang. Oh, right, yeah, it's not the same and, one. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was the no, guy I was <laughs> No, it's a cab driver in Southend. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, so I saw Roachford literally a couple of months ago. And, wow. Yeah, there you go. That's Imagine if weird. we all die in lockdown and that's your last gig. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been oh, amazing. Oh, I'm brilliant. not looking at it. It's probably ace. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Cuddly toy was good. You got a feel for me, baby. Is it really low now? He's like, yeah, you got a feel for me, baby. <laughs> I can't sing up there anymore. Not that I can tell. <laughs> you got a feel for me, baby. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, go on. Oh, dear. Oh, that's amazing. Let's take my glasses off because my eyes are watering. <laughs> <laughs> what was the first live show that you performed at? Oh, I've, done, I've no idea, really. I mean, we're in a terrible band in Suffolk. Uh, we're, yeah. Um, it was, I think it was in Leeds, when I lived in Leeds, and we're in a band called The Deadbeats, which, um, which sounds punk and terrifying, <laughs> but we weren't. Um, and um, with, with your brother as well, my brother, yeah, yeah, and Dave Quayle on guitar. I remember him? Um, he went to prison for stealing these. <laughs> um, and we played in a talent contest, um, and that's all I can remember. I remember it being dread or just being rubbish, yeah. Um, okay, we had a song about having nightmares, and in, in the middle of it, <laughs> this, this is what it's like when you're, uh, I think, we're 11, inspired by the jam. And we thought we were the jam, but in the middle of this song about nightmares, it stopped and went into the death march. Like, do, 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 that bit. And the guy from a talent show that one of the judges came over afterwards and said, we're disqualified for playing um, music that's out of copyright <laughs> without permission or something. It's like, what? Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> we're playing the death march. I don't know who wrote that oh, original brilliant. piece of music, Bark or something. And um, we're like, well, surely that's like, out of copyright by now. <laughs> and he's like, well, you didn't get clearance for it, so you're out of the competition. There is, yeah, there is nothing better than, than a local band competition. We, uh, we played one at um, King's Holiday Club in Canvey, right. the, um, a nightclub <laughs> called King's on Canvey Island. And they had, like, a little bar area in there, and it was, like, a, a local band competition. And, and my band played it. This was, like, early 90s. And there was three bands, and each band had to vote for their favourite band. But four of the members in one band were also in the other band. So, like, <laughs> they were going to win, and we was obviously going to come last. And, and this was fucking brilliant, Jason. I, w- I wish we had the video on, because you, you, you would see this, this uh, to, to, to make it even more ridiculous. So his first band went on, which were, like, thunder, just, like, absolute, like, rock. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and we was, like, a kind of comedy-type sort of influenced by the beasties that that sort of thing and we went on but our songs were all kind of comedy songs and then he changed his his top and come back on with his hair like um tied back and he stood on the front of the stage and he went enough of these jokers who wants some serious music 
then pulled the hairband out of his hairband, let his hair down, and went, we are ley line, and then went into a cover of um, Get Your Motor Run, A Born To Be Wild. Yeah. <laughs> they, they also won. Um, he got, and and the, what was genius was, he had, can you remember the Wonder Stuff t-shirts that just said, idiot? Yeah, yeah. He had one of them, and I thought, fuck me, he's on the money there. Yeah, yeah, like, Miles got it right. That's no irony. Oh, mate. <laughs> Who wants some serious music? <laughs> we are Leyline. <laughs> ah, I love local band names, don't you? We are Canned Coke. <laughs> Loose Change. <laughs> FT Index. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah. So, um, what was the first uh, gig, Jace, that you played that you felt was like a proper gig? Like, and when I mean that, don't I don't mean to sound like a bit of a wanker, but like you know, there was a rider and like, and, yeah. and it felt like well, for, it was a, a proper gig for us. It was I wanted a front row. That's all I ever wanted. So you do gigs and the crowd would be at the back, and you'd have to do that embarrassing. Come forward, you guys! Come on! There's room down right. the front, and all we ever wanted That's a was a great way to describe that. Yeah, it's, it's an awful feeling, and all we ever wanted was a front row, like people at a barrier or the front row. And that's it. Yeah. And the first time in, in A that we got one... After was this the Deadbeats or are we on to A now? This is on to A now. Years of touring, right. the first time we got, well, you know, hundreds of gigs was Portsmouth Wedgwood Rooms. And we sold 400 tickets in there, which means it's basically sold out. And, um, it, was, and it was rammed and it was a front row and it was going off. And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe there were people crushed on a barrier. And, and there was a second row and a third row and there's people stage diving and... It's like, this is it. This is a proper gig. This is what gigs feel like. I've got someone to sing to, not an empty floor. I mean, the first gig we ever did um, in A, uh, on the first ever tour we did, we played in Leeds Cockpit, which became one of our favourite venues. Um, And I think it held like 600 people and it was sweaty and it was brilliant. Um, There was a guy called Duncan there and he was the only one. (laughs) And he just ran around the floor on his own with a dog. (laughs) On a lead, on a bit of string, and it looked like he was in the levelers, and he's called Duncan. I even knew his name by the end of it. And we just chatted to him in between songs, and it's horrible. She don't know what to do. Like, what? He can't perform. Not that we ever performed, but you know, he's one person there. And bands start, you know, bands trying to do it. It's like when you see bands, um, like, put their all into sound checks. <laughs> it's the most embarrassing thing in the world. Like, what <laughs> it's a sound check, mate. People jumping around in sound checks and stuff. So, um, yeah. But why do bands do that? They just do that. And then, and then and they're always like local bands. And then, and then the doors open and no one comes in and they do another sound check. And that's the gig. And our first year of touring, we did 265 gigs that year. Um, and drove ourselves to it every gig on a major label. And um, we did lots of what we called sound check gigs. <laughs> where there was more people, you know, on stage and they were off, off stage. So, um, yeah, when we had a front row, that was amazing. Oh, that's a really good way to describe a proper gig. That's, yeah. uh, that's brilliant, mate. Uh, Jace, is there a band now that whenever they tour, you still go and watch them? Uh, not really. Um, no. Okay. Question think- seven. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I think I've got too old for that. I've seen everybody that I like. And that, so, like if the Deftones come back, I'll be like, ah, can't wait to go see the Deftones. And then... Chances are, I probably won't when it comes to it, but yeah. I want to. Or, you know, Weezer are playing. I was going to see Weezer. Um, 
you know, if it, if it was the Beastie Boys, then I'd go to every gig. Um, but they're not going to come back, um, obviously. So, no, I mean, I've yeah. A, um, I've not watched the documentary yet, Jase. It's good. Without something like a knob, it's not as good as the one we saw in London, because that was funnier. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, 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 the kind of evolved the show a bit then, but it's really good. It's got loads of heart in it, and it's incredible. But, um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's bands that I want to go see every time, but then, you know, real life gets in the way and work or kids or whatever. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, this, I'd got, you know, I'd say Jane's Addiction, but the last few times I've played, I've not seen them, so. Um, uh, yeah, I saw them one of the last times they come over. I didn't go to the, the really expensive one in the small venue at the end of last year. Yeah, Dan was there. Dan Carter, he called me from it and filmed loads of stuff. He's like, he said it was amazing. Yeah, um, I, I, I imagine it would be spectacular, but it was, it was really expensive. And I, and I just thought, oh, do you know what? I've seen them a few times. I'm, yeah, that's I what I mean. You get yeah. to our age now and it's, you know, you love, you love those bands and you love yeah. the bands you love, but you're not desperate to go see them anymore, really. Yeah, yeah. If and I think honest. it was that, that, that moment when um, I, I heard about Jane's Addiction when um, my mate Bobby's band was supporting them. And uh, and they said they literally walked past the dressing room and, and Navarro was having his six-pack drawn on uh, the makeup <laughs> artist, was accentuating his six-pack with makeup. And I just thought, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's still got a six-pack at his age, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, having the makeup artist sort of accentuate the curve of it. No way. <laughs> oh, mate, that's sickening. Sickening. <laughs> okay. Um, I missed question so, three, and I'm not telling you how to do your job, Stu. But you, oh you, God, it was, wasn't it? You missed question what three, and, and, and it was a good one as well. So I just, you know, mate. I mean, I hate to pull you up on this, but <laughs> what are you doing? What, what was the first festival you went to, Jace? Oh, um, it was Donington <laughs> Monsters of Rock, and um, of it was. It was terrifying because um, Guns and Roses um, had to stop the gig. About oh, five or six year? times, yeah, and three people died, I think, and we nearly died. Oh, I felt like I nearly died. I was so scared, and it was muddy. How and old was, was you? Uh, must have been 18, maybe yeah. 17. Um, me and Adam and Mark, and we got separated, and it was up to our knees in mud, and then we, we one minute you'd be standing where you were, and then the next minute you'd be, you know, 50 metres away, and it, everybody would just seem big. And they kept stopping the gigs, and then a, and then I think a, a PA tower fell down. Um, and what's what's weird is Iron Maiden headline Dave Lee Roth. It was Megadeth Kiss without makeup, which is awful. Dave Lee Roth, um, Iron Maiden, um, Megadeth, and Guns N' Roses, and Halloween <laughs> starting <laughs> opened up. Um, and um, that's one of the greatest names for a metal band ever, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, Guns N' Roses. I was really excited about seeing them, but it was it was really scary and, and not enjoyable at all. <clears throat> and what's weird is they used that footage, that crowd footage of the crowd going off at Donington in their Paradise City video. And that That's right. Yeah. Really bad taste to know what happened that day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. But thanks Can for asking. That was that was a very good experience, a very interesting experience. Thanks for asking. <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> How was um? How was the rest of the gigs? Did you remember seeing anyone else that was any good at that? Because I remember, I, remember the, the, I loved Dave Lee Roth, and I loved I loved Dave Lee Roth, and and um, the sun. So came was out. that around the time of just like living in paradise and yeah, stuff yeah. like that? Yeah, it was amazing, yeah. and the sun came out when he came on stage, and everything felt fine after that. 
And then, um, and then I remember standing at the back watching Iron Maiden and Mark, who was a guitarist in our band and still is, just turned to me and went, don't they make you proud to be British? <laughs> I'll never forget that. I'm like, no. <laughs> just Iron Maiden, just because I'm singing the Trooper <laughs> doesn't make you proud to be um. British. <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I always think about that when Brexit, and there's all these people like voting for Brexit, thinking, yeah, this is what Maiden would have wanted. (laughs) (laughs) So proud to be British. Anyway, (laughs) as if a band ever made you proud to be where you're from. (laughs) Oh, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, anyway. Oh, dear. Um, Okay, so uh, where are we at with some questions for you here? Question Um, six, probably, right? Uh, that'd be the, no. That we've done that one. Oh. Uh, so question seven was talk about. I want you to talk about your first tour. You like support four, or, or headline. Oh, anyway, um, well, I, I, I skipped question four, which was when you started in a band who were the bands that you were inspired by, because I thought you, you touched on that with a jam. Okay, well done. Yeah, yeah, well you, done. Wanted, you wanted yeah. to be the jam. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, we, we can move on from that yeah, one. Yeah. And uh, where, where, where are we? Where are we? Talk about your first tour, support or headline. Who was on the bill? Was it in the UK or more? Uh, what was your expectations of that tour? And was the reality of the um, and what was the reality of the tour? What did you learn? Our first decent touring? tour was um, we had three that year, and um, we were touring on our own. Then we we did a support tour with Symposium, who ended up being really good friends, and that was great. It was a proper kind of great young teenage crowd going off. Symposium. Mm-hmm. So the gigs were wow. sweating and brilliant every night. The crowd were going amazing. It's like, wow, this is, this is proper. They had a tour bus at the time, so we could hang out on their bus and we had a van. And then we went straight from that um, onto Ash and we did a tour with Ash. And it's like, wow, this is, now this is, we're at the story now. This is proper venues and Ash are great and good, really great guys. And it was amazing. And we had a tour bus by then. And then we went straight from that that year to tour with Faith No More. And it's like, now nah, we're really touring. It's just like, this is it. We're doing rock tours. Um, this is everything we've ever, ever wanted. So that was a year we stepped it up to get good support tours. And then it was... That's, that's, that's quite a year, right? Oh, it's amazing. Because you're going from playing, you know, to Duncan in Leeds, to Symposium. And all these bands are great people as well. And you're having fun in the time of your life. And you're getting drunk every night and trashing travel lodges and all that stuff that you used to do. And it's just amazing. You can't believe this is your job. And then he, then he's doing it with Ash, and he's taking it a bit more seriously. I, I also know, Jason. I know you well enough to know that before you would have checked out of that travel lodge, you probably would have stuck the Uber around and tidied stuff. Yeah, up. we did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we left the travel lodge tidier than we found it. <laughs> we left it looking like a Premier Inn. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, yeah. let's let's start with Symposium because um, to this day. Um, the most exciting gig I've ever seen was a symposium gig at the Y Club in Chelmsford. It was Ross, wasn't it? Ross, yeah, yeah, lovely Ross. And and Ross climbed into the ceiling, and it was a suspended ceiling, and crawled along, and then the ceiling collapsed on the crowd. Like <laughs> yeah, I've seen him do that before. And it was in the, it was like I think it was like in like page three of um, the, the NME that week. And That's he, right. He yeah, I remember like, that. Come falling through on top of it. It was. Fucking incredible. Well, am I right? Did some of them end up in Hellies for Heroes? Yeah, Will. Will um, yeah. and um, Joe, the drummer. Will, the guitarist. Yeah. And them, um, yeah. Yeah, they were awesome. I remember once so it was awful. We, were, we weren't supporting them, but I got really good mates of them, obviously, and they played with No Doubt at Brixton. 
and I was in the photography pit um, watching them at Brixton Academy and Ross kind of jumped up on stage and landed and broke his leg live on stage and he was in agony and he was just rolling around right in front of me going, oh, I've broken my leg, I've broken my leg. You know, it's 5,000 people there and he had to be carried off and that was it. Broke I mean, his I leg live a, in front of everyone. A, it was horrible. I don't want to top your story, Jace, but... Um, but I was at uh, uh, T4 on the beach yeah. um, with um, DJing with Andrew Stone of Pineapple Dance Studios. Uh, and I happened to uh, catch it and then see them. Uh, I saw Jed Wood. Um, I think it was Jed that broke his leg live on stage. Really? Uh, and, then, and then, yeah, just watching um, Jed and Wood. Uh, in, like, Jed, Jed was in a wheelchair and I think Wood was like had his arm around him as they were being sort of ferried off. And I filmed it. Uh, and I still feel a bit bad about it, but I remember some some guy just going, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you filming that? That boy's broke his leg. And I just thought, it's Jed, it's Jed Wood in a wheelchair being pushed by his brother. I can't not film this. It's not a boy. It's Jed Wood. <laughs> it's Jed Wood. <laughs> oh, mate, poor so, guy. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, if we we'll talk about Faith No More a little bit now, I know that that that, that you're a huge Faith No More fan, and we and well, I know we both are. Yeah, um, and we've we've spoke about it a lot. Um, how is that when all of a sudden you're not doing a UK support? I mean, don't taking nothing away from playing venues like this story with Ash. That's amazing, but to then also you know be going on this tour with. Faith with Americans, which, yeah, I yeah, mean, with, with Americans, and, and it's taking nothing away from Ash, but yeah, they're a huge rock band, aren't they? Yeah, Faith No More, like, um, yeah, it was. Um, I was terrified, absolutely terrified. I think I've told you this, this before about Billy yeah. Gould, and yeah, we were really, I was really, really terrified, and we stayed in a hotel in Glasgow. First time ever we'd done it. We stayed in a band hotel. Oh, wow, we're on tour with hotels and the tour bus and stuff. It was, it was amazing. And we knew the next day that we were going to go turn up to Soundcheck and Patton would be there. And I was absolutely terrified. I mean, we weren't good enough yeah. to do it. And um, and then Billy Gould walks into our hotel and just comes up to us as we're sitting there at the bar and just goes, "Are you guys A?" And we went, "Yeah." He goes, "Hey, I'm Billy from Faith and More." And we're like, "Yeah." And he's like, yeah, I just thought I'd come down, hang out and say hi. And then tomorrow when you turn up for soundcheck, you'd kind of have a friend. I'd be like, what? So and we just, cool. we just hung out with him all night and went around all these clubs in Glasgow. And next day we turned up and, and we went straight to see Billy. And it was like, that's how to be a rock star, isn't it? Yeah. Like it's all the things you don't read about people. Like, you, you know, suddenly we're not that terrified because Billy Gould took the time out to come and see this little band that nobody had ever heard of the night before to say hello. It was just amazing. It resonated so much with me. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs... Just go over to Spotify and... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And search off the beat and track podcast and you can listen to all the songs because i put playlists up for each of these if you can't find it on there i'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode so you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks anyway i'll shut up get back to the podcast see you on the other side you mentioned something a minute ago you said like um because we weren't good enough like did 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 you always have that kind of imposter syndrome then? Yeah, constantly. Still do, all the time. And um, Really? I think that's what drives you, though. I mean, there's been moments in my career where I didn't... I remember the second time we did the main stage at Reading and um, our Hi-Fi Series album was out and doing well. And I, and I remember the reviewing Kerrang! saying that A walked onto stage like they owned a the place. And I really did feel that. Like, I, we had a really good sound man, this guy called Eds, who's one of the best arena sound men in the world. And we knew that we could walk out. And, and we had this great song called Took It Away that we'd open with. And, it was, and the reason we'd open with it is it gives, it gives the sound man time to kind of build the sound. It kind of starts the sampler, yeah. then the drums come in. Everything comes in, in place. So you know that by the time it all kicks in, it's going to sound really good. I think bands often yeah. make a mistake at festivals of coming on and playing like a big song first and it's going to sound terrible. Yeah. So we, we actually had a song that built up and, and we did it on purpose Got to give Ed's right. time to get the levels right. And we knew yeah. that we, we, would, we would be the best sounding band up, up to that point in the afternoon wherever we played. And um, so it wasn't down to us, it was down to our crew. And um, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm saying how good they are, but that confidence that it gives you and by then, we were just used to doing big gigs, and I, I found big gigs really easy. So you just walk out with your kind of shoulders back and your chin up a little bit, and not in an arrogant way, but just in a, we're going to have this way. And, yeah, we, and we did. And um, so by then, we felt good. But early on, we just felt like idiots. And, um, but there's a charm to that as well, I think, in a kind of punk rock way, and still feel like Definitely. that. I still feel like that now. And um, as you said earlier, it, it, that it can drive you as well. Well, I remember one, one thing is we once did a Vans Warp tour, and it was that real SoCal kind of thing. It was a Vans Warp tour in Europe, and it was like Pennywise and No Effects, and it was a whole SoCal kind of pop punk gang. And we felt like a square peg in a round hole because we had this kind of almost kind of policey kind of Britishness to us, 
And I remember feeling really intimidated and really out of sorts. And I liked all those bands, but we just didn't feel part of that gang. And, and, yeah. and bands like Pennywise as well, there's that whole crew and everything, they all look the same. And they made it abundantly clear that you weren't. And I remember we did a gig, I don't know where it was, somewhere in Italy or somewhere. And there's suddenly a lot of those kind of bands watching us at the side of the stage and enjoying it. And, and I think it was Dan or said the reason they're enjoying it is that we don't sound like them we sound like the police or we sound like we've got a bit of a new waveness about us and yeah. it was then when i realized that that imposter syndrome could be quite good that we had something about us that other bands didn't and Definitely. and my one regret with our band is that we lost that we we tried to make a formulaic big rock album on our fourth album and we lost all that personality that we had so rather than still being imposters we tried to join the ranks really and yeah. you're better off being an imposter if you know what i mean <laughs> well, well that, that, that that's going to make me um ask you um if you could go back and do it all again what would you do would you do anything differently yeah i'd do that differently i'd i'd, I'd follow my heart more and um especially watching that bc boys documentary i mean that's that's all they did like they were just themselves and they never fitted in and we were that and it was it was an, it was annoying at times but that's what made us good that's what made us interesting um and as soon as we lost that as soon as we tried to yeah we lost that well there's, there was something about our band when we all got together and we were mucking around and we were fun and and we were a bit and we and we had influences that weren't rock music and as soon as we lost those influences i think i can't listen to our last album i think it's really boring um, really? Yeah, I'm just, not, I can't hear anything exciting about it. It's just rock music. It's just a bit boring to me. Whereas I listen to Monkey Car, our second album, and I can hear Pavement in there and The Police in there and Blur, and I can, I can hear things that are just bonkers in there. And we kind of lost all that bonkersness. So, um, yeah, I feel like it, we, we grew up and we were kids and we grew up and growing up, shit, really. Kids are ace. And, the, yeah. and it's that overthinking everything rather than just thinking you know i'm gonna do that because it feels good you're like well i'm gonna do that and if i do that and i do this and we might we might you know we had a number seven single we might have a number five and it's like mate what are we doing you yeah, lost all I the magic you can't help you can't help but get pulled into that i think that's but we should know, have had a producer you, who did I, I, as a producer now i would help bands that's what I would do. And Terry Date produced that album, and, it, and Terry's great, and he's a great engineer, but he was a wrong producer for that album. You know, we, we yeah. needed a producer to grab all of us and, 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 and help us musically not just get a big sound. And we're like, let's go to Terry and make this monster-sounding big rock album. But we're not as good as the Deftones, so we're not going to sound like the Deftones. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it just shows you... It's, Lesson learned for me, and no disrespect to the album, people like it, um, yeah. but I, I, I don't, I think it's really boring. Okay. So, just to go back to some tours and stuff as well, <clears throat> what were some of the other bands and artists that you, you really enjoy gigging and, and touring with? Oh, the Bloodhound Gang, definitely. I mean, we're, we're family now, really. We, mm. I mean, we must have done, I don't know how many tours, and then Adam and Dan joined them. So, mm. I mean, we probably toured with them for five years on and off all around the world, everywhere. I think we did four American tours of them. We went from clubs in, um, in the space of 18 months, we went from clubs in, on the kind of Grosse Germany, 
that were you know, fifteen hundred capacity to football stadiums with that band, like forty thousand people on on the same cycle. It was nuts. So from clubs to theatres to arenas to stadiums, it was in in eighteen months just watching this band get so big. And we had three kind of big singles in Germany at the time. Thank you know thank thanks to them really for bringing us out. And yeah. we kind of got yeah. pulled along in uh, zeitgeist a little bit. And um, I mean some of the things I've seen. My son's here now, so I can't go into it. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> some of the, some right, of the things well, I've seen on that tour, but yeah, they were they were just amazing. So, um, if if we're going to look sort of respect, uh, retrospectively now, so with, with gigs and recording and, and releasing music, um, you know, as as somebody that's you know that I, you know I are still playing gigs and and you're still very much, obviously still a, a producer and involved in in in, in recording music, like. What differences have you, you you seen in the in the kind of industry from from when you know you started and and, and to where you're at now? The, the two big differences, if we're talking about live, is um, crowd barriers and mobile phones. Yeah. So some of the best gigs of my life were when there was no barrier and you've got this crash down the front and you've got this mosh pit and there's people literally crawling onto stage and then jumping off again and you know they're pushing your guitar pedals out the way they're you know, untying your shoelaces throughout the gig. You know, I've lost teeth where my mic stand's been pushed into me and you've got your head in the crowd and it's just unbelievable, this kind of energy between you and the crowd and you are one and it sounds ridiculous. The only way I can equate it is that moment when you're in a crowd at a football match and your Arsenal score and suddenly everyone around you turns into your best mate for three seconds and you're all hugging each other and you get this euphoria and you get this rush. That's what those gigs were like for an hour, like uh, like literally an hour of that of of your, your of being at a ground and, and your team scoring. It's just amazing, oh. and and no one had a mobile phone, so every everyone is concentrated on you and the yeah. environment, not not on how they look in it or trying to get a good picture. Apart from the photographers down the front, and we used to kick them yeah. and kick the cameras and stuff for a laugh and um. Oh, it was. I mean, you look back on that now, and that's something that my kids will never experience, and it's it's one yeah. of the regrets because I want Zach and Josh and my two younger kids to go to their first gigs with their mates and just get absolutely smashed down the front and sweaty and you know fall and be picked up and stage and then then probably never yeah. going to get it. They're going to go to a gig and put the mobile phones in the air and take pictures, and they'll never it's really weird, experience that. Yeah, and it, something special that's... about it, and it's safe, you know. I don't think it's anywhere safer than a punk rock or a metal gig when the crowd are going nuts because everybody yeah, yeah. respects and loves each other. And if you get hurt, then no one's done that on purpose. Well, you go to like a ch- kind of chav gig and, you know, I think the most unsafe I've ever felt is V Festival. And, you know, yeah. and the safest I've ever felt is in the crowd at Reading. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's the biggest difference for me. Well, couldn't have answered that any better, Jase. Um, what's your favourite venue? Uh, the Astoria. It's not there anymore, but the Astoria. I still get goosebumps when I walk out of Tottenham Court Road Station, and I'm not exaggerating. I get that feeling in my stomach like I'm about to go to the dentist or oh. that you fall in love. I get that every time I walk past that site. I just can't tell you what that place means or meant to me and still what's, does. What's the best band you saw at Astoria? 
Green Day on the Ducky Tour, Beastie Boys, just before Ill Communication, Ill Communication came out, Rage Against Machine um, on the first tour, Chili Peppers when they were good, Faith No More when we supported them and a bunch of times, Jane's Addiction um, just before Ritual came out, oh no, when Ritual was out, saw them, and then just everyone. I mean, best game I mean, we ever played pretty, was the Astoria. Some pretty decent ones. Yeah, I mean, mentioned there just just a few uh, incredible bands that you obviously saw at the right time. Yeah, at the right time, and probably the best night of my life in the band was when we headlined the story and sold it out, and just a dream. It was just, and it was like a second home, and you'd see friendly faces there, all the journalists that you know, and record company people, and and this doesn't get talked about enough. But there's some amazing people in the music business, and when you're in it, and even in a, in a band like us, which is relatively small. We got to know so many ace people and you, you would know that you'd go to a gig and you'd see someone that you'd know. It'd be like an, another publisher from, you know, we were signed to Warners, but it'd be like a publisher from Sony that you know or someone from, you know, Electra or someone from WME or, you know, an agent or someone like the, loads of record label people. They're all great and all the journalists are great. And as I get older, I just think the best, the best people, this community of people which still kind of exists. I mean, we're doing a Kerrang heavy metal pub quiz as well at the moment and all these amazing Kerrang journalists from years ago and like they love metal and rock music. Just used to see them all. Oh, just so good. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry, I'm reminiscing. Well, but no, it's, it's mag- magical, absolutely magical community of, of music and musicians and people in the music business and well, you know, this, I think this, they're the best people. Us, this ties us perfectly then to, to the last question, Jace, mm-hmm. which is you're going to put on your own festival and you can have five bands on. Oof. Who do you want to, who do you want to have on that lineup? Well, the BC boys would, would headline. Of course. The chemical brothers would close it after them. Oh, oh. pavement would open it. Nice. Um, so we'd have pavement, the beastie boys, chemical brothers, uh, probably blur. Mm-hmm. Latter stage blur and Best Oasis. Band I ever saw at the Astoria as well. Yeah, I never saw them at the Astoria. That would have been amazing. And Oasis, I think. So, yeah, Blur, Oasis, Pavement, the BC Boys, and the Chemical Brothers. That's uh, decent. Yeah. I, I think for festivals, that's yeah. that'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? Perfect, mate. Perfect. Jace, thanks so much for your time today. Like, and to you, fella. Just a, an absolute pleasure chatting to you, mate. And uh, and yeah, next week let's um, let's get together and, and get our podcast rolling. Yes, please. Let's get that pick that back up again. It's our fault, not yours, as always. <laughs> Said that a million times. <laughs> Sorry, this gig was so bad. It's our fault, not yours. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're finishing this podcast like that. All right, mate. Take oh, care. Thanks, Jace. See ya. There you go. Just so much fun. It's it's. You know, it's it's can be trying being stuck in lockdown and and yeah, having a an hour's chat with someone that's got so much energy and and fun and and he's got you know such a lovely nature, Jace. It's um yeah, it was yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm recording these intros and outros just after we finish recording and uh, yeah, and I feel great. I feel really good. He's, he's such a well, I don't need to tell you. You've just listened to him. He's he's such a nice dude. So um, thanks ever so much for listening. Thanks again to Jace for giving up his time. Um, and I'll be back next week. If you can't be bothered to wait that long, get involved in Patreon or have a rummage around in the archives of this podcast. See you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.
Oh yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean in the first edition there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.